Good morning. My name is Jeff. Um, I know one of the fun things about being online in this way is that Mark and Josie actually can um, watch us and have joined us often um, from the other side of the world. So, hi, Mark and Josie, if you're watching. Also, happy Valentine's Day to everyone here. Um, I also told my family that I would say hi to them. So, hi, Heather. Hi, kids. Happy Valentine's Day. All right. Um, If you are a follower of Jesus, I have a question for you today. And even if you're not, you can still answer the question. If Jesus were here um, and it could ask for just one thing of your life, what do you think it would be? If Jesus were here and he were praying for you, just one thing, what do you think it would be? And maybe the, the, the first thought that comes into mind is, you know, like, oh, well, he, he'd probably want me to get rid of that one sin, you know, that just keeps dragging me down. Or maybe be like, well, he, you know, he would probably ask that I would spend more time with him, you know, like spend time in the Word or praying more, you know, being good Christian stuff, you know. Um, or, or, or maybe maybe you actually think about it, you're like, oh, no, you know what, he would, he would ask that I would love him more and love others more, right? That's the first and second commandment. That's got to be it, right? Well, in the Bible, we actually have a recorded prayer of Jesus right before he's about to die in the book of John chapter 17. And what's so cool about this prayer is that uh, he prays for himself first, then he prays for his best friends, his 12 disciples, and then he prays for us, like you and me. Look look with me, In, in John 17, verse 20, he says, I do not ask for these, he's talking about his disciples, Uh, only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's talking about all Christians in the future who are going to believe in him. So if you're a follower of Jesus, he's praying for you. He's praying for me. And this is what he prays for, just one thing, okay, one thing for us. He says, if you read on, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Three different times Jesus prays for the same thing for us. He prays that we would be one. He prays for unity. All right, so it must be pretty important, right? Out of all the things that Jesus could pray for us about today, uh, he, and for all Christians in the future, he prays for unity. So I thought, since this is so important to Jesus, Let's gauge how we as a church are doing in the unity department. So we're going to take a little test, all right? No, no need to be anxious. It's a very simple test. There's going to be two answers per question. I just need you to choose which answer you think best answers the question, all right? It's very simple, okay? We'll start off with an easy one, all right? Here's the first one. Which do you prefer to drink, coffee or tea? All right, coffee, raise your hands, coffee, all right, and tea people, Okay, there's a few, okay? And if you're online, um, type it in the comments. We'd love to see what your answers are as well. Okay, so coffee, I think, outweighed tea a little bit. All right, um, next one. Uh, This one's a little similar. Which to you tastes better, Coca-Cola or Pepsi? All right, Coca-Cola? Okay, Pepsi? All right, sorry, Garrett Park. Um, uh, Coca-Cola has won. The people have spoken. All right, um, right, let's move a little closer to home. All right. Which one has the best deep dish pizza? Luminati's or Giordano's? All right, Luminati's? Oh, okay. Giordano's? Wow, that's actually like pretty split down the middle. All right, interesting. All right, Um, all right, this is a really important one. What is the name of this building? This big tall one in the middle. All right, the big tall one. Sears Tower 
or Willis Tower. All right, Sears Tower. People, raise your hands. All right, we're doing all right. And Willis Tower. I got a few people. Okay. All right, that's, that's okay. That's okay. All right. Who is the greatest basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan or LeBron James? All right, Michael Jordan people. That low? I'm just kidding. LeBron James people. Okay, that's even lower. Perfect. Okay. All right. All right. Now we're going to get a little bit more personal. All right. Which one are you? A morning person or a night owl? All right. All you morning people, raise your hands. I saw them shot up, right? You guys have already conquered the world this morning. All right. Night people, raise your hands. All right. I'm going to give you a couple seconds for my words to enter your brain and then your hands go up. All right. All of us night people, we're still waking up. All right. Um, Let's see. Okay. Next one. Which one are you? Introvert? or extrovert. All right, we'll start with the introverts. Unite, all you introverts with me. Okay, oh, we guys got quite a few, okay? I, I just want to let everyone else know, we don't dislike people, okay? We don't hate people. We just get charged by being away from people, okay? So this just, yeah, that, just, just you know. All right, extroverts. Extroverts, there you go. Okay, man, I really feel for you in 2020, man. This, is, this has been rough for you, okay? So I feel for you. All right, last one, last one. Um, how many of you like silly quizzes like this, thumbs up, hate them, thumbs down, like let's just keep going. All right, great. All right, well, um, it looks like we need a little bit of work. If unity has to do with agreeing all together, which we'll talk about in a second, it looks like we need a little bit of work. So that's what I want to talk about with you today is unity, which, you know, feels like one of those buzzwords today. You know, even, um, you know, even our president, you know, has a plan for, you know, we need unity in this divided country. That's not what I necessarily want to talk about today, Um, but what I do want to do is I want to talk about unity and specifically what that unity looks like here. Um, Actually, really, what does unity look like for a follower of Jesus? So, if you have your Bibles with you, whether it's a book or an app or whatever it is, if you could turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and we'll be in verses 1 through 11. And as you're turning there, I'll just kind of remind you, we are in a sermon series right now called Becoming. Um, we're studying through the book of Philippians. Now, it's, it's a short book. It's actually more of a letter written by a first century Christian leader named Paul. And he was writing to Jesus followers in the city of Philippi in the first century. Now, Paul was actually being persecuted for being a Jesus follower himself, Um, so he was in prison while he wrote this, and this is a super practical and powerful letter, not only to the Philippians, but also to us today. And so a couple weeks ago, uh, we kind of focused in on a verse in the first chapter, chapter 1, verse 6. It says, uh, I am sure, or I'm confident of this, that he, speaking about God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And why I think this is so important is that often today, Christianity seems like it's so focused on us doing things, right? We are the ones trying harder, doing better, doing more good things and doing less bad things. But the good news of the gospel here in this verse is that it's God who is the one doing the work in us. Like he's the one transforming us and changing us inside even right now. And so last week we prayed this simple prayer that I love, and we're just going to kind of continue that into this week. Jesus, help us to be the people you are working in us becoming. 
All right, because being a Jesus follower is so much less about doing and way more about being and becoming. Remember, it's God who's working in us. So today, this is not gonna be a sermon about doing, it's gonna be a sermon about being, all right? So I have three points today. They're all gonna start with the word be, like B-E, okay? So, uh, and, and actually these three points are three attitudes that we are to have, and I'll kind of explain that later. So. Before we get in, would you pray with me? And we're just gonna pray that simple prayer again. Lord Jesus, as we open up the scriptures here, help us to open up our hearts to you and what you're doing in us. Help us to be the people you are working in us becoming. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, three attitudes that we are to have. All right, the first one, we already kind of talked about this a little bit. The first one is to be unified. All right, be unified. Uh, and we see this in verses one through two. So if you uh, have your Bible, look with me in Philippians 2, starting in verse one. Paul says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, we'll just pause there before we keep going. Um, because, see, Paul's not really saying hypothetical statements here. What he's really saying is, if you are a follower of Jesus, then these things are true of your life. So if you're a Jesus follower, you do have encouragement in Jesus. You do have the comfort of his love for you. You do have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I mean, he lives in us, right? And finally, you do have this loving affection and sympathy with those in your church family, this community that's all centered around Jesus. So Paul is saying, hey, if you truly have these things in you, which you do, then here's my main point, all right? This is the response you're to have. So verse two says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord or having the same purpose or mission and of one mind. So four different ways, Paul repeats the same idea over and over and over and over again, hoping we get this main point. And you might be saying, okay, what is the main point? It's Unity. Yeah, surprise, surprise, right? It was important for Jesus. It's important for Paul. And so four different ways Paul's saying be unified, have this attitude of unity. And I say attitude because if you notice twice in this verse, he says something about having the same mind, right? Uh, which in the Greek can be translated to think the same, to think the same. Now, is Paul actually saying that we all need to think the exact same thing in the exact same way, exact same time? Like, is he saying we all need to agree on the same thing all the time? Because if so, anyone who calls this the Willis Tower needs to go um, or get your stuff together. I'm just kidding. I love you. But seriously, it's the Sears Tower. All right. No, Paul, of course, Paul's not talking about that we all need to think the same way or all have the same views or same perspectives. Um, so what is he meaning when he says to have one mind or to think the same? Well, back then, uh, thinking is not just an intellectual thing. It's more of a mindset, a frame of mind um, or an attitude. And so this the attitude of unity, be unified. So you might be thinking like hearing this, okay, yeah, yeah, that sounds really great. Like I love all of that, but how does that actually look for us, right? Like how does that actually look for us? I mean, I take a quick look on social media. I'm only there for like 30 seconds and I'm just like, uh, how does this even look? How is this even possible, right? Like I don't think Paul, when he wrote this, had in mind those people, 
right? Or those views or those actions that crossed those lines, right? So how does this actually look for Jesus followers? Well, let's actually continue. We'll look at attitude number two, which is be humble, all right? Be humble. And we see in verse three, Paul continues writing. He says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Now, what's interesting here in this verse, at least at the beginning part, when it says do nothing from rivalry or or conceit, in the Greek, there's no verb at all. So it just reads, not rivalry or conceit, (laughs) okay? Now, if you're uh, a little rusty on your English or your grammar, um, let me just remind you that a verb has the action, okay? So there's no action here. It's just it's a, it's a being, it's, it's a becoming thing, it's a frame of mind, it's an attitude, all right? But this one's an attitude that we're not supposed to have, all right? We're not supposed to have this attitude of uh, climbing up a ladder. You might be saying, well, what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is not having an attitude of always comparing or always competing or always taking yourself too seriously or always self promoting. Uh, even Christians, I mean, we fall in this trap all the time, right? Sometimes you, you hear Christians talk like, you're like, oh, you know, I've been, I've been praying like this and this and this, or I pray this much, I spend this much time in the Bible, I wake up at this time, I know about this event, I know so much more about this topic, I did this, I did this, and you're just like, it's not a competition, right? Stop climbing the ladder. Instead, what does Paul say? He says, be humble, right, in humility, now, I think we like the word humble. We like the word humility. I do. I think I want people to think of me as being humble. But that word here is not a very nice word. Uh, it actually means to be unfit, to be shabby, to be of no account, unimportant, basically nothing. That's what it means to be in humility. And Paul goes on, not only that, but count others more significant, more important than yourself. And so this is, this is really important. The attitude of humility says we, like we all as a group, are more important than me. All right? You, as a person, are more important than me. That's the attitude of humility, is we over me. You over me. Be humble. All right, the third attitude is to be sacrificial. All right, be sacrificial. And we see this in verse four. Uh, Paul goes on, he says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And notice he does say each of us, okay, which means that if you are a person, uh, this applies to you. There's no exemption here. This is for all of us. Um, We are to look out for not only our own interests, but we're to look out for, we're to notice, we're to actually keep our eyes peeled out for others, for their interest, for their good. So if the attitude of humility is we over me or you over me, the attitude of sacrifice is how do we lift others up even if it means that we have to take a step or two down the ladder, right? Even if it means that you and I have to give up our own rights, even if it means that you and I have to let go of our own comforts, even if it means that you and I have to surrender our own ambitions, even if it means that you and I, in a sense, have to lose our lives so that others can gain it. Be sacrificial. All right, so those are the three attitudes. Be unified, 
Be humble, be sacrificial. Everyone got it? No questions? Good luck. All right, see you later. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to leave you hanging like that because if you are anything like me, you're like, yeah, this, this sounds awesome. I would love, I would be so, uh, like I aspire to be like this in my life, but I get so overwhelmed by all of the failures of this in my own life. I mean, does this even seem possible to you? Because to me, I, I mean, at least the last couple of weeks, it did not seem very possible, all right? Um, and, and to be honest, preparing to preach this message <clears throat> the last couple of weeks has been kind of like, you know, like a, I was gonna say a hammer to my head, but it's more of like a big anvil that I'm slamming my head into over and over and over again. And in the spirit of, of vulnerability, uh, maybe this is just helpful for you to know, um, I find that every time I preach, uh, my family and I get, like, go through some kind of, like, pretty intense spiritual warfare uh, leading up to it. So, first of all, I guess, you know, I need to do a better job of this. Maybe we need to do a much better job of this. Like, we need to be praying for Bobby and his family way more. And if, if we are, that's great. But we need to be praying way more because it is hard. I know, for, like, for Heather and I, like, you know, it's like, our, you know, things come up in our marriage. Our kids seem extra crazy uh, the couple weeks before. They're not sleeping, so we're not sleeping. So, like, I'm tired and crabby. Um, things just keep coming up. They keep getting thrown at us over and over and over again. And people want this and people need this and being, like, distracted. And I think Satan kind of uses that to just, like, like discourage and, and, and then all at the same time, I'm feeling this shame of like, you know, because the verses that keep coming to mind are be, uh, or um, uh, you know, in humility, count others more significant than yourself, Jeff, <laughs> right? Uh, like look out for the interests of others, Jeff. And I just think like, ugh, like, this is so much easier to preach than actually do. Do you ever feel like that? But wait a second. This is not a sermon about doing. Uh, because God has not called us to do. He's called us to be. That is the good news of the gospel. Remember, it's God who began the good work. He's the one doing the work in us, even right now. And so before we go, I'm just going to ask, can we just pause? This is kind of like halftime of the sermon, right? Let's just pause and re-pray that prayer again and invite him back in as we surrender ourselves back to him. Let's pray. Jesus, help us to be the people that you are working in us becoming. Help us to be the people that you are working in us becoming. God, we surrender ourselves to you and all of these things that are distractions that are taking us away from that or that the enemy is lying to us or we're believing things about from other people or from ourselves or from the enemy. Jesus, will you be here? Will you help us to be the people you are working in us becoming? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, so if you get discouraged like me at all, um, uh, here's the good news. Paul actually gives the key to these three attitudes, all right? And the key actually comes in the form of a model of a, someone that we should follow. So this is where things really start getting good. Look with me in verse five. Paul says, have this mind among yourselves. We're like, yeah, yeah, okay, Paul, you know, we get it. Like, yeah, mindset, frame of mind, attitudes. Okay, yeah, we, we okay, help us, help us. How do we do this? Which is yours in Christ Jesus. So why are we to have these attitudes? Because they are the attitudes of Jesus. How are we to have these attitudes? 
Well, the good news is that if you're a follower of Jesus, he's already given you these attitudes. Like, he's already working them in you right now. See, the reason we're to have the attitudes of unity and humility and sacrifice is because those are the attitudes of the one we follow. And what's so cool next is Paul just breaks out into this beautiful song. Again, scholars uh, all agree this is probably an old hymn that these early Jesus followers probably knew very well. And so Paul uses these lyrics that they knew really well to show five different ways that Jesus lived out these attitudes of unity, humility, and sacrifice. So in verse 6, again, it's talking about Jesus. Paul says, "...who, though he, Jesus, was in the form of God..." did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, but before we go on, we, we need to understand this. We need to like fully get this. Jesus is God. All right, like Jesus is God. Like in all of his godness, he is so far up here. Like this, this ladder can't even do it. Like he's so far up here, we can't even comprehend his greatness. Um, but notice He doesn't use this equality with God. He doesn't use his godness. He doesn't use his own rights for his own advantage. Instead, he steps down the ladder rung by rung. Five different rungs. And so the first one is this, that Jesus became nothing. He became nothing. In verse 7, we see that he empties himself. Like literally, he empties himself of all outward glory. He selflessly denies all of his own rights, all of his own godness that he could have, and instead, he became nothing. The second rung, Jesus became a servant. It says he took the form of a servant, and and that word actually means to be like a slave, a slave, like Jesus did that willingly. Um, even himself, he said that he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The third rung, Jesus became a human. It says he was born in the likeness of men. He was found in human form. So, I mean, th- this is amazing. Jesus, again, who is God, became human, became flesh, just like us. Now, I'm getting flashbacks to um, the, the last time I preached up here around Christmas time, where I, I got to preach about how God became flesh and dwelt among us. And, uh, and you know, me being a, an adult fan of Lego, it would be crazy, um, well, you would look at me crazy if I said, I love Lego so much that I want to become a Lego minifigure. You would look at me crazy, because it is crazy. But what's even crazier is that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, the Son of God, became human. The fourth rung, Jesus became obedient. In verse 8, it says, He humbled himself. There's one of our attitudes, right? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. This blows my mind that Jesus, again, who is God, okay? Uh, No one's above him. He actually lowered himself. He submitted himself in humility. He had this you over me attitude, right? We over me attitude. He submitted himself in humility humility to obey the one in authority above him. He obeyed his father. Like he, he submitted to authority and obeyed, even though obeying meant he was going to die. In fact, that actually was what he obeyed, to go die, But it wasn't just any death. The fifth rung, way down here, way down here. You can't even see it. Jesus became crucified. Like a criminal, Jesus became crucified. In verse 8, Paul says, 
Um, he didn't just become obedient to the point of death. It was even death on a cross. And see, sometimes today, I think we're a little bit too used to the symbol of the cross, where, you know, back in the day, I, that would have been inappropriately shocking to see that all over, to have people wearing that. Um, because to be crucified was reserved for the worst of the worst, the lowest of the lowest. It was a form of execution that really was only there for the lower like lower, lower class of criminals, like thieves and murderers and those who committed treason. Like, it, it was the worst of the worst. And I, you know, I read this commentary this week talking about the actual act of crucifixion. This is what it says. The victim was first tortured in various ways and then fastened to a cross by impaling, nailing, binding with ropes, or some combination of all three. Death often came slowly over a period of days as the victim experienced increased blood loss, thirst, hunger, the attacks of wild animals, and suffocation. So for Jesus, again, who is God, to lower himself down rung by rung by rung, to become nothing, to become a servant, to become a human, to become obedient to death, to become crucified like a criminal, like, this is the lowest of the lows. The worst, the worst. You can't go much further down than this. That is the attitude of Jesus. That is the attitude of the one we follow. Now, I think the world around us says that it values things like unity, humility, sacrifice, but I don't think it really values the radical attitudes of unity, humility, and sacrifice like Jesus did. But there is someone who does. God does. And this, way down here, is not the end of the story. Praise God. The second stanza of this old hymn is incredible. We don't have a ton of time to go through it, but just read with me in verse 9. If I can find it. Therefore... So, because Jesus is way down here, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That is the one we follow. Again, um, sorry losing my spot. Uh, look, when it talks about God highly exalted him, we can just get rid of this ladder, okay? He is so highly exalted him, we, we can't even comprehend his greatness. This name that he talks about, we sang about right before this, this great name, this identity, who Jesus is, is above anything, it's above everything, and at the authority of that name, of who Jesus is, every single being, every single being is going to kneel and submit to him, all right, whether it's the heavenly realm like the angels, earthly realm like us, even the demonic realm, even Satan himself is going to have to kneel and submit to Jesus. And every tongue, every single tongue, no matter the culture, no matter the language, the religion, no matter what generation, every single tongue is going to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord to the glory of God. Jesus is Lord. He is the one we follow. And again, the world down here, well, it doesn't really value these kind of attitudes. But God does. 
The Bible says that God is on the side of the humble. It says that he gives grace to the humble, but it also says he opposes the proud, which means that if we're up here, if you're up here trying to climb this ladder by yourself in your own pride, you're not on God's team. He's not on your team. But who is on God's team? The humble, right? The people down here with attitudes of unity, humility, and sacrifice. Just like Jesus. So today, maybe you need to ask yourself, what is one thing or one area of life that you have to confess to Jesus that you're trying to climb this ladder on your own, in your own pride, by yourself, And just confess it to him. Give it to him. Surrender it to him. And he will accept you. But he wants you to confess that to him. And maybe today you need to ask yourself, what is that one area in your life, the one person in your life, the one situation in your life, that you need to ask Jesus to work in you the attitudes of unity, humility, and sacrifice, to have an attitude of we over me, you over me. I don't know what our president's plan is going to look like. I don't know what our country or our city, I don't know what that's going to look like. But I do know what Jesus' plan is, that our attitudes must reflect the attitudes of the one we follow. To be unified, to be humble, and to be sacrificial, just like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the name above all names, you are so, so, so highly exalted. And once again, we ask you, to help us be the people you are working in us becoming. Give us your grace to become a community of Jesus followers with attitudes of unity, humility, and sacrifice, just like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this morning we're actually going to close in worship by remembering the death of our Lord Jesus through communion. So if you are here in person, you have your your wafer in your cup. If you are at home, um, do you have some kind of elements that you can join us? I know for me, when I've watched at home, um, often it's a it's like a piece of bread and coffee or something, and that's totally fine. I, again, I you know I wish we could all be here together because it's such a cool thing for the church to get to do. I wish we could, but it also is great to be like, man, we're all over the city, all over the world getting to do this and remember uh, Jesus and his death. So to get, uh, together, we're going to take a, a minute or two of silence, and we're just going to reflect, we're going to meditate, and just think on all that Jesus did for us. I'm going to have the slide back up that we looked at. Remember, he became nothing. He became a servant. He became a human. He became obedient to death, and not just any death. He became crucified like a criminal for us because he loved us so much. So let's remember that. We're just going to take a minute or two of silence.
Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes together let's remember him and proclaim his death feel free to stand with